Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 11 of the Stato Jew podcast. I am Stato Jew and I am joined as always by the enigma Luke Sherwin. Luke, how are you doing my fine sir? Well, do you see the problem with Arsenal is they try to walk the ball in the back of the net and so it makes me sad but I'm good. I'm good, thanks. I'm good. What have you been up to, Joe? It's been a whole week since we've it's done been a whole week. Well, we can blame Manchester United and Valencia for that. For no, uh, we can't. Yeah, we can. We can, we have, we can blame United and Villarreal, though. Oh yeah, but I've just, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> a whole week. I had another exam on Tuesday. It sucked. Really? But I then took a couple of days off. They were fine. They were grand. We obviously had Villarreal beating Manchester United on penalties, which was crazy. And now we've just finished watching the Champions League final. The main show will all be about that, so you'll be looking forward to hearing that. But this section really is going to be all about the, the playoff final. But before we get into that, look, how are you? I was say, I thought you were just going to move on there and not give me my minute here to talk about my feelings and stuff. No. Nope. Um, which is really important. Thank you very much. Um, last night we were at youth. Cl- I was at youth club. Sorry, and I asked the young people what their highlights and lowlights were for the week. So I've had a little opportunity to think actually in advance about what my highlight was. And Joe, my highlight of this week on one of the nights, Thursday night, I watched round two. <laughs> it was great. Nice. I really enjoyed it again. I had watched it in quite a while. And I sat and watched Ratatouille with my friend, and we just had a lovely time all together. It's a good time all around. So that was fun. It's been working other than that, working away. Played football this morning in a very intense game. Lots of steps, lots of you know energy used. Few goals scored, but it was intense, so it was good. I'm good, all things considered, which is nice. Thank you for asking. Am I offended that you didn't say Tuesday night was the highlight of your week? Of course. Yes, I am very extremely offended by that. But look, it's it's whatever. You know, it's fine. Um, yeah. Uh, but rather than talk about the game that we spent 55 minutes talking about in the main portion of this show, we should really talk about the other massive game today. The richest game in football, I call it. Yep. Between Brentford and Swansea. It was the championship playoff final. And I actually am delighted to say that Brentford are in the Premier League. I think it's fantastic. I really do. I really rate their manager. Um as I, they say a great team. Uh did you watch did you see most, most much of the game while I stutter over the word much? <laughs> um, <laughs> did you see much of the game? Well, yes, I saw a good bit of the game. Mainly the first half. Um, watched that especially. Um, there were very few people I saw that wanted uh, Swansea to win. I, yep. I don't know many people that really wanted Swansea to win. Like, everybody kind of felt that Brentford were the team to support. And so I watched the game. Delighted for Ivan Tony. Really like him. I think he's a really yep. good player. I think this is good for Brentford because he will hopefully now stay. Um, which is good for them. But yeah, a good game all around. Brentford decided that they would go all uh, fire and all cylinders from the very start of the game. Yeah, and it was a good game as well. Like, um, you know, 
I think Brentford play a really great style of football. I, yeah. I really, I really love watching Brentford whenever I've been able to catch them. Um, I think part of the reason that a lot of people wanted Brentford to go through because they, they like they're very refreshing to watch. Uh, you know, Swansea's just like oh, we've seen them before. You know, uh, but for Brentford, um, yeah, great for them. Obviously, the game kind of changed in the second half because there was <laughs> absolutely shocking red card. Um, yeah. And that just, that killed the game. You know, that that really killed the game because Swansea were going for it. You know, Andre Ayew missed a sitter of a chance at the very start of the second half. And Swansea were knocking on the door. But yeah. then your boy got sent off and the entire game just completely changed. I just, it, well, it wasn't changed, it just died. And, and really, Brentford just kind of waited the game out. Yes, Brentford have been in quite a few finals, <laughs> in a lot of playoff finals, mm. and they've never been able to get it done. And they managed to go out and score twice in the first 20 minutes. Two goals, yep. which is the same amount they scored in their last four playoff finals. They showed clear intent there. Ivan Tony nearly scored as well in the, about the 31st minute, I think it was. Mm-hmm. He, he hit one hit the crossbar, bounced on the line. It was a pure Frank Lampard against Germany, except it didn't actually go in. So it was a good attempt, and Brentford just, yeah, they went out there. They treated it as a must-win, and they played like it was a must-win, a very professional job. Um, anybody who's been watching the championship over the last 10 years, not even 10 years, five years, would say it was more a case of when will Brentford get promoted rather yep. than if Brentford might get promoted. It's been coming, and so fair play to them for actually managing to get it done. Um, man of the match for me, Ivan Tony. Maybe, maybe Pinnock, uh, the defender for Brentford, thought he had a good game. All things considered, um, and yeah, it was just a it was a good thing all around. Brentford are gonna get a lot of money. How do you yep. think they might do next season in the Premier League? Ooh. I honestly don't know. They're they're kind of an unknown quantity, like at, obviously at yeah. that level, because they're this is their first time ever in the Premier League. In fact, it's their first time in the top flight of English football since the forties, the nineteen forties. Eighty six um, years, I believe. Yeah, and they're they're the fiftieth they're the fiftieth team to reach the Premier League, uh, and they're nice. the tenth team from London. Um, there you go. Uh, what do I think is going Fair to happen? In, in my head, I can see them being kind of somewhere to Leeds. Um, yeah. Like in terms of where they, they tackle the Premier League, I think they will now hold on to players. That I Like we had said on last week's episode about the possibility of maybe Ivan Tony looking to go to Spurs. He's not going anywhere. He's staying at Brentford. There's no way. Yep. That that whole squad will stay. That manager seems to be what's his name? Is it Fr- Thomas Frank is his name? Is it Thomas Frank? He yep. seems to be. He seems to be unbelievable. Um, apparently, the the way he manages is he like they talk about if if there's twenty minutes to go and we're one 0 down, here's a plan. But if there's twenty minutes to go and we're two 0 up, here's a plan. Like they literally sit yep. down and go, here's the scenarios. What are we going to do? He sounds fantastic. Brentford run. Like a lesser model, so they kind of yeah. they get really decent players in cheap, and then they sell them out. Examples are um, Ollie Watkins and who's other player? Was it Ben Rama was playing at um, yeah. Brentford? 
So yeah. they have a great, they seem to have a great model in place. They've just got a new stadium in. Obviously, fans should be back this season. This season coming as well. Uh, I would really love to see them do well. I really would. And I, yeah. I, actually, I actually think they could be the best performing team that come up. Um, just because of the yeah, style of football not, they play. Not a bad show. And despite and not not despite um, different to how I view Leeds, I really like Brentford. Mm. Um, I hope they do Leeds. I hope Leeds get relegated. That's another point. Um, <laughs> but Brentford, Brentford have a really good recruitment model. They recruit meticulously. Yep. They put effort, a lot of effort into who they're going to sign. They put a lot of time into that, and so they deserve credit for that. And I think with Premier League money be that promotion money, be that um, TV revenue for next season as well. If they get more good, cheap players, like they have tended to do, they can get good, cheap players in. They have a really exciting time. Thomas Frank will be absolutely loving the fact that he might have a few better players to use next season. He loves some of the players he's got. Ivan Tony has the potential to be a, a really good striker for, mm-hmm. for the team. There's a few good players in there, like David Rea in Nets. He's a good player. And a few you know, workhorses in that team. Pont- Pontus Janssen at the back is not bad. Yep. They, love their, they love their Scandinavians, which I personally love as well. <laughs> and so that's cool to see. But I think they'll be a, a good, solid team. I don't think they'll get relegated. Fair play, Brentford. Happy for you. Interestingly, Tony was at Newcastle, um, but spent most of his time loaned out at different clubs. Uh, we sold them for two hundred thousand pounds or something to to a team. I'm not sure who it was. Maybe it was Brentford. And I've seen Newcastle fans today being like, "Oh, we let Tony go. Tony had to go, right? He was he, he was rubbish at Newcastle. He's found a new lease of life." Uh, I, I have one. We've talked we've talked about this before. When you see a, a player who played at your club go on to be successful, I'm delighted for him. He's really yeah. found something at Brentford, and. You know, it's it's actually kind of in a way similar to the Ollie Watkins thing. You know, Ollie Watkins the same at Brentford, just found his groove at Brentford, scored yeah. goals for fun, went on and Ollie Watkins had a pretty decent season for Villa this season. So, yeah. you know, hope I would love to see Ivan Tony do well in the Premier League next season, really would. Yeah, so Tony left Newcastle and he went to Peterborough in League One and mm. he was able to find his feet there. I think the way he, Newcastle were playing didn't really suit him. Everything about him just didn't quite click there um, and so played well for Peterborough got 40 goals in 76 games which is pretty solid for a league one striker and now has scored 31 in 45 this season which Not is a really good a really so good record good. Uh, first season at Brentford I think they signed him for 5 million last summer if they were to sell him they could probably get anywhere upwards of 30 35 yep. so that would be a really good investment as well but they don't need the money necessarily because of their promotion. So, fair play, Brentford. I'm excited to see them play next season in the Premier League. That'll be good. It will be intriguing. Uh, we're going to discuss the Premier League season uh, that's passed and maybe slightly look forward on Wednesday's episode or maybe Thursday for you podcast guys uh, of the podcast. But for now, let me hand over to me and Luke from the live show where we spoke about the Champions League final. We talked in meticulous detail about so many aspects of the game. I think it's a really great listen, so make sure and stay tuned, listen to that show, and we will speak to you very, very briefly in the outro portion of the show. 
Enjoy. Bye. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the post-Champions League final episode of the Stato Jew podcast. I'm Stato Jew, and I'm joined by the Enigma Luke Sherwin. Welcome, welcome. Hello. This is crazy. I don't know why we've got Man City 0, 1, Chelsea down there. Whatever this is a fact that Chelsea have just won the Champions League final. Like you should have scrolling along the bottom, Chelsea are champions of Europe. Something Sorry. exciting like that, Joseph. Let, let me add it here. Let me add it Chelsea, Chelsea have won the Champions League. That's nuts. That's yeah, it's crazy. Game finished one nil. A very exciting game, actually. I really enjoyed the game. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as that, but I thought both teams came out kicking. There you go, slightly better now along the bottom. <laughs> Chelsea came out kicking. Um, so did Man City, and it was a really good game of football. Um, Joey and I watched it together just online here. Um, mm-hmm. What were your initial thoughts? It's the best low-scoring, low-shot game I've ever seen, I think, in terms of there were very few chances. There were, you know, like... When you think about it, there weren't that many clear-cut chances, but as a game of football, it was absolutely outstanding. Both teams gave it their all from the very start. We saw a very quick start. The game plan that uh, Tuchel brought today was just exceptional. And, uh, yeah, fair play. I think I think ultimately, on balance, um, the better team won. Uh Certainly, Chelsea's passing was very, very good, I thought. Defensively, really great. Um, neither team looked really threatening at all um, a lot of the time, but I thought that of the defences, Chelsea looked uh, sturdier, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think that comes down to how they set up. Um, so if you haven't seen the game or just are catching up or whatever, I don't, I'm not sure what position you're in. Um, but Chelsea set up with their um, five at the back or three at the back, whatever you want to call it, with wing backs. A good um, system that's worked them worked well for them over the last few months. Apart from the FA Cup final, didn't really work then. And in a few games recently, like the loss to Villa and the loss to Arsenal, they set up with three at the back, Thiago Silva, Rudiger and Azpilicueta three experienced players, exactly what they needed in this sort of situation, alongside Mendy and Nets, who is the first African goalkeeper to play in a Champions League yeah. final. So that's quite an exciting um, thing. And Carl's put in the chat there, Kante for Ballon d'Or. Do you know what? I'll give you that because yeah. it's been really good. And Kante and Jorginho set up in front of the defence um, with Chilwell and James and with a front three of Werner, Havertz and Mount. Going into the game, Joe, what did you think of Havertz, Mount, and Werner as a potential three to face Man City? Um, I I always knew he was going to play Werner. 
Yeah. And I knew he was probably going to play Mount. Yeah. I think I think I was surprised that it wasn't ZH. Um, yeah. because ZH played very well against City a couple of weeks ago in the Premier League. Um, so I was surprised by Havertz's inclusion. Obviously, now totally justified. He got the goal. But I think for me, I actually would have put I almost would have put Pulisic and uh ZH over Havertz in terms of who you would play. So Okay. I mean, maybe I don't have a lot of football. Maybe my football knowledge for this game is really poor, but that's kind of, that was my personal feeling anyway. So did you think um, a more wing-based play probably would have worked? Say it again, sorry? Did you think a more wing-based play with Ziyech and Pulisic being more out-and-out wingers to an extent? <laughs> Pulisic definitely, Ziyech a little bit. Um, do you think wing play would have been more beneficial potentially against this Man City team? Well, I thought I just thought because they they played ZH in the Premier League, and I think he gave them he gave them bother, and I think yeah. that that was where I was coming from with with that idea. But when you look at the City team, then and this is probably going to be one of the biggest talking points coming off this game is City's team selection. Um, yeah, I think Absolutely. actually it ended up being a stroke of genius. Now you've got to wonder, you know. Did with Tuchel playing tactical chess, you know, <laughs> did he think that maybe they wouldn't play holding midfielder, and so his plan kind of worked? You know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I I don't think his tactics would have changed too much to show, regardless of if there was a holding midfielder. Gundogan tried to play that um, sort of <laughs> formation, that position. Thanks, Katie, in the chat. Thanks for comments on my hair. I think it's personally fantastic. Um, but that brings us on nicely to Man City's formation. They started with a 4-3-3 going into the game. Um, I wasn't sure what to make of it. I wasn't sure why has he picked five quite attacking players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gundogan, who notoriously has scored quite a few goals this season. Um, he was going for it against this Chelsea oh, defence. That really was. Um, with what looked like Foden, Gundogan... And Silva in midfield with a front three of Sterling, Mares, and De Bruyne. A back five, very ordinary for Man City. So going into the game, I thought we were looking at a, a very even possession-based style of game. Both teams would be looking to have a lot of the ball. And they would look to have um, a lot of shots on goal. <laughs> What's wow. the shirt? Wrong shirt. Well, look, we haven't, Newcastle haven't lost this week. So I had to I had to wear the shirt to kind of advertise that. Well, part, uh, in fact, a kind of Newcastle player got named Premier League Player of the Month. So that's impressive. Have to celebrate. Yes, celebrate someone. We we got into that the game then, and did anything surprise you? Told you based on how the game unfolded, especially maybe in the first 10, 15 minutes. So. I thought it was going to be a really cagey start. I actually thought I actually thought the first half was going to be extremely cagey. Um, these games, these big finals, always tend to be. Um, but they were out, they were out of the blocks straight away. You know, they were flying in tackles. Passing was quick. End to end football. We were commenting, sending each other like, "This game has been class." Like within the first ten minutes. Um, but, I mean, I think I just want to quickly point out that I'm a. I don't think Sterling did anything when he got select for his selection. 
and B, I think not playing a defensive midfielder has really hurt City. Um, I don't know who has though, because so well, I think I think Guardiola went into the game. Guardiola went into the game thinking Chelsea's attack isn't un- amazing. You know they don't have a striker who can score goals. We saw that in the first <laughs> first half with Werner, who missed quite a few chances. They probably could have taken. Um, the question here: Do you think Guardiola will be ever be able to win the Champions League at City, or do you think he'll be let go first? I I personally can't see the City board ever sacking Guardiola. It's more likely that he would leave before yeah. they won the Champions League rather than being let go. I think would be the way I'd see it. Uh, yeah, I would agree because I think Guardiola will continue to compete on a league basis and continue to win the League Cup because that's what he does. Um, maybe try and go for the FA Cup to add to the collection um, as well might be something to do. But getting to the first European final for Man City is a big achievement. Despite what people say, despite how much money that they've spent, it still is um, quite an achievement for them to get to the final. We know it's you know cup competition, anything can happen. So fair play to them. Um, in the chat here, Jacob's just suggested that he maybe will end up at Barcelona. Um, I could see that happening maybe um, a few years down the line, but I don't see Guardiola going to Barcelona while they're in the current situation that they are at the moment. Um, but yes, the game started off. The first 15 minutes were exciting. It was end-to-end stuff. Chelsea would go up one end, and then City would go straight up the other end. And there were a few key talking points, maybe from the first half, and a few things that that happened. Do you, do you want to maybe talk us through the big chance for Phil Foden? Yeah, I think I actually think this almost has the same level of importance as Chelsea's goal. Um, I managed to cheekily go on Twitter, find the highlight, and get a still of this block. Now, for me, this block from Rudiger is pretty much the re- pretty much fifty percent of the reason Chelsea won tonight. If we're going to take moments, this block here, outstanding. The photo doesn't even do it justice because of where he came from. Basically, City played some excellent football. Um, kind of a got had got through Chelsea. Foden looked to be clear through, and Rudiger slides in, and with an like, look at the look at the a look at how perfectly placed that block is. Like he's not Phil Foden isn't scoring no matter what he tries to do there because of the position of Rudiger's foot. Um, but that was just a piece of excellent defending from Rudiger, which ultimately for me I felt really kind of gave Chelsea this massive mentality then. Gave them, made them go out to go right. We can win this, you know. Yeah, that that block was massive, instrumental. I think. I thought it was quite interesting because for me, after that chance, I was like, "Oh, City, City are making opportunities here. City are making a good few chances in in and around the box. They have potential to score because Rudiger can't do that every time. You know, that's a once in five challenge. You know, and mm-hmm. um, so I thought. City would then go on and maybe score a few or have a few more good chances. But after that point, Chelsea kind of took over. Um, They kept going, they kept passing, and they kept pressing. And Chelsea kind of controlled the ball a little bit, I thought. Um, One thing that was probably the main story for Chelsea in the first half, at least in the first 40 minutes, was Timo Werner's favourite position, which is is what, Joe? (laughs) Offside. How annoyed was I getting? Look, how annoyed was I getting? When we were watching this game. Like, yeah. 
it's and it's it's stupid stuff like whenever he's miles offside in situations where he doesn't need to even be miles offside. Now I, I do understand the tactic of if he kind of sits on the shoulder, sits offside, he can maybe catch the defense out a couple of times if he you know yeah. gets in. Problem is, Tim Werner's too lazy, so often he's just constantly offside. I said to you, I don't know, if, I don't know if you noticed this, but I, I was saying to you during, at the very start of the second half. Uh, Werner was offside and Tuchel was like screaming at him properly screaming yeah. at him and then brought him off very quickly afterwards and the this whole Werner living offside he got a 5.8 he was the worst performing player on the pitch this evening um, he was offside officially offside twice however when I say that he was offside there's many times whenever the ball kind of was near that direction, and you'd see him kind of slowly stroll back. Um, yeah, madness. Also, this is the quickest trophy presentation I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> yes, so we are recording, obviously, while the trophy is being lifted. Right now, as Pilaqueta is lifting the trophy, um, and we have it there. Chelsea have won. Thiago Silva at the back, limping a little bit because he's he's hurt from the game. Um, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right, Mikey. There is no need for it from Werner. He's enough pace to beat the defenders. But confidence is the big thing. Wednesday night we saw a keeper who wasn't confident and couldn't save a penalty to save his life. Um, tonight we saw a striker who wasn't confident and doesn't back himself to beat a defender with pace. He doesn't back himself. I don't think the other players in the Chelsea team back him either. I don't think... Um, Mason Mount will play the same type of ball through that he did for Havertz for the goal to Werner because he doesn't see Werner making those same runs right now. Werner doesn't back himself. And it's a real like double-edged sword there in that yep. Chelsea players don't want to play it because they know he's probably going to be offside and Werner doesn't have the confidence to make that run and try that risk despite being offside so many times. And that then obviously segues nicely to the goal. Joe, you have a, a wee image there. I believe, um, of the pass that Mason Mount placed through for Havertz. Joe, what are your thoughts just looking at this picture? So, we, we, we're we kind of on a bit of disagreement on this, I feel. So, I said yeah. to you that I, I felt that if a holding midfielder was playing here, this pass would never be able to happen because somebody would be covering that space in the middle between Werner, who's, who's on the kind of the top of the screen and Havertz who's running through. Um, the, I mean, the ball was exceptional. The, the weighting of the pass was just spot on. Um, Got to give credit for ha to Havertz for making the run. And then Mount, obviously, for spotting the pass. But I just felt that this City defence, very, very exposed. And they were very fragile for a lot of the game. Um, and even though City had 60% of the ball... Chelsea were the team who were who always looked more likely to score. I felt, yeah. but it was it was cases like this. Chelsea, and we've spoken about this before. Look, Tuchel's come in, and his main focus has been defense to firm up that Chelsea defense. They were conceding far too many goals yeah. under Frank Lampard, and basically he came in and he's totally focused on that defense. He still needs to work out the attack because the attack aren't firing on all cylinders. But the main thing is. He's winning. He's just won the Champions League with an attack that are not completely 100% with it. Um, and it's individual moments like this that kind of set them apart. I said to you while we were watching the game, kind of felt that uh, Ederson could have done better. 
um, with that situation because the, the ball kind of went through his hand almost. Um, but, you know, great pass, great composure to finish it off. Yeah. And is this the arrival of Kai Havertz? Maybe. We'll, we'll need to see what happens next season. Quite possibly. I think Pep Guardiola will have been saying to Ederson at halftime, you could have been doing better soon. Um, oh. So, yeah. But I think this the pass played by Mason I can't Mason believe Mount, it. I can't the pass it. played by Mason Mount, I think, backed up the fact that he has a real, really good chance of starting for England. Um, I think mm. Mason Mount had a really good game um, at times, although saying that, I thought he was played out a little bit towards the end. Um, but I thought he did play well, and that pass through is exceptional. And that's what mm. Chelsea do well at the moment. Their attack, as you said, isn't unbelievable. But what they do do is counterattack. They counterattack relatively well, and that was a prime example of that. And I think they did very well. Mason Mount playing that cracking ball through to Havertz. I, it's a hard one to know about the holding midfielder situation because if Fernandinho is there, he has a bit of experience. Even Rodri is a very good footballer. Mm. But are they in the right position because they've been going forward? It's hard to know. And I, I think it's just a really good run and an exceptional ball through um, to Havertz, who, who kind of finishes but doesn't really at the same time. Takes it takes a shot, gets saved, but thankfully bounces through to him. Um, I like Kai Havertz. I think he's a good player. I think he will grow into it. I think he's he's looked better under Tuchel, but still just needs more experience. And winning a Champions League will do him the world of good. Um, so fair play. So that basically took us to halftime. What were your thoughts, Joe, at halftime? What were you thinking both managers might do? Was there anything that surprised mm. you at all by what happened in the second half? I, I, I was convinced that he would score in the second half because they had to. Um, and I thought I thought it was going to be a bit of a batter in the second half. It wasn't that bad. Um, but just to, just to bounce on your point about Chelsea's attack, on paper... Chelsea's attack, it's fantastic, but as a unit, they haven't worked together. So that's like we, we we're not saying that they don't have a great attack because they they do. They've got one of the best in the league. They just haven't worked on that attack, and that's the main issue. But yeah, at halftime, I was thinking to myself, right, this is the game because the game in the first half didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. I've been very adamant that this was going to be a kind of a 65-35 possession game. Really, I felt that. City would dominate possession, and they dominate possession in Chelsea's half. But that actually wasn't the case. Um, Chelsea had a lot more of the ball in City's half, I felt, than City had in Chelsea's. Um, so at half time, yeah, possession was very, very easy, even in the first half. City had fifty-two to uh, Chelsea's forty-eight, but then the second half, sixty-eight to thirty-two, is exactly what I expected the game to be in general. Chelsea been a great attacking, a counter-attacking team this season. Certainly went since Tuchel's come in. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just thought maybe they would try something different, to be honest. I'm surprised that Raheem Sterling was on for as long as he as he was. Um, because I thought he was really poor. Yeah. Um, I think all things considered, after the first half, the two, the clearly two worst players on the pitch, Timo Werner for Chelsea mm -hmm. and Raheem Sterling for Man City. Yep. So I kind of expected changes slightly sooner because 
Werner went off in the 66th and Sterling only went off in the 77th. I really didn't expect either of those players to play as long in the second half as they did, and neither of them did anything really useful until they went off in the second half. Um, I should say, actually, in the first half, Thiago Silva getting injured, I thought would have quite a big influence in the game because he's very experienced. He knows what he's doing and sures up that defence. But I thought when he went off and Christensen came in, you saw the experience and the quality of Rudiger come through. I thought yep. Rudiger, Rudiger did really well. Azpilicueta did really well. And they showed their class and experience there. And that was very helpful. Um, James had Sterling in his pocket all game. You know, it, I don't see it like that. I see it more of Sterling tied both of his boots together before the game rather than a, he was in James's his pocket. I feel like it was very much a Sterling-inflicted thing. Um, <laughs> that's That's fair. Um, Sterling is going to get in his car, look in the rear view, and James will be sitting there. Um, James had a good game, I think yeah. so, but I think Sterling almost made him look better than he actually was tonight. But there were a few times where he did very well to to nip possession back um, and hit Chelsea off on the counter. Um, I expected City to come out firing, but I think the 60th minute was almost the killer for me. Mm. The 60th minute. Kevin De Bruyne runs into Rudiger, Rudiger tactically fouling. Yep. And the end result is that De Bruyne has to go off injured. Joe, how do you think that affected the game? Well, I thought De Bruyne had actually been playing pretty well up until that stage. He was probably the person who looked the most threatening when on the ball attacking. Um, I was. We were both a bit confused about the nature of the injury, um, main, mainly from the point of view of they, it, it didn't look like much from the perspective of, of the you know the, the charge or whatever, but there was images of him about twenty minutes after he came off, and he could barely walk down the tunnel. So I don't know if it's a bad concussion. What does this mean for the start of the Euros? If anything, maybe it just means he won't be able to train until the Euros start. One of those things he has to take a yeah. week off, a couple of weeks off. I think it made a massive difference. It made a massive difference because I think the plan would have been potentially, to have brought Jesus on for Sterling. But then they had to bring off De Bruyne. Yeah. So Jesus came on for De Bruyne. Then Sterling was still on the pitch. Sterling was a passenger, as we talked about before. I think maybe that affected a lot of the game plan. I think also they would have been hoping for bring off maybe Sterling and, and who, who came off for Fernandinho? Bernardo Silva. Bring them yes. off. Bring on Fernandinho and Jesus, and then you're playing with Jesus and Kundigan. De Bruyne and Fernandinho. I think it would have made a massive difference. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. Actually, I think Gundogan, Fernandinho, and De Bruyne as your midfield three with Foden, Mares, and Jesus up at the top probably would have worked relatively well. But then, mm. whenever De Bruyne went off injured, all creativity went down to Phil Foden. Yeah. A young, a young player, never played in the Champions League final before. It was all on him, I think, the creativity, because Sterling was doing nothing. Mares had an okay game, but never really got into it. Had a few decent crosses into the box. Other than that, didn't really look himself. Didn't look anything like the semi-final performance from Mares that we saw. 
Mm. And so Foden, I think, felt the weight of that responsibility. He, a few times, had good opportunities, but Chelsea just knew that they could sit back. You know, it's it's such a blessing to be able to take off Mason Mount for the last 10 minutes and bring on Kovacic yep. to play alongside Jorginho and Kante. Like three defensive players who are happy just to sit back, tackle tackle well, and give it to quick boys up the top who mm. can counterattack. And so we saw a real a real slow game in the second half, and um, it was a different, very different from the first half, but not bad at all. City had sixty eight percent possession in the second half, yep. but ultimately only had four shots with zero on target. Not a single shot on target in the second half, I think, really cost them. Despite bringing on Jesus and Aguero, um, is is it worrying for Man City and just Aguero in general <laughs> that Jesus and Aguero couldn't manage a shot on target? They need to be getting a striker in the summer. Do you know what? And I hate to say this, but I think Harry Kane would be perfect at City. Of course he would. He'd be perfect Especially- anywhere. Especially at, at the end of that game, they were lumping, they were lumping throw-ins into the box, and pretty much every time Chelsea were like out winning, like beating them in the air. Whereas you, you have someone like Harry Kane in that box, could have been a different story. Um, tactically, at the end, obviously you have to get the ball in the box, right? Kind of all wrong. You don't have the biggest, you don't have the most physical players in that box when you're throwing the ball in, and you're going up against one of the best like defenses in the league in in Europe since Tuchel's come in. Tactically, a bit wrong. Phil Foden was marked out of the game, I felt, um, and so didn't have an opportunity to play. And I think that shows the level that he's at that they feel they have to mark him out of the game in some ways. As yeah. Mikey says there, it felt like if they had another R, City still wouldn't score. Kind of have to agree with you to be honest. Um, yeah. and it never really felt like City were going to score, even in those last 10 minutes, whenever it was literally like attack versus defense. Chelsea seemed quite comfortable, yeah. I felt um, like we got to a stage in the game in which Man City almost lost their belief that they could score, and it was looking like the only way they could score was a worldie from 30 yards mm-hmm. or a deflection or something like that. It didn't look like they were going to pass their way through the defence. It didn't look like they were going to be able to counter-attack because Chelsea were so deep. Um, I think it just yeah, it looked concerning if I was a, a City fan. But yeah, I think a striker would be really helpful to let De Bruyne do what he does best, and that's play the balls through. You know, Harry Kane mm-hmm. said recently in an interview that he would love to play with somebody like De Bruyne. And there's a reason for that. It's because he's exceptional. <laughs> he's exceptional at attacking midfield. He's exceptional at chance creation. He's not exceptional at finishing. <laughs> and so letting him drop into that that sort of creative 10 area with a Harry Kane in front could be really, really exciting mm-hmm. um, for Man City. I think I saw so I saw rumors earlier that that Mares and Sterling were both available this summer. That City were potentially gonna let them go because they have enough wingers and potentially were looking at a Grealish move, which I thought was interesting. I don't know if those oh, rumors have any. I don't know if they have any grounds whatsoever. But if you could get any money for Sterling, I don't know if that's a bad thing necessarily. Um, but that's probably another point altogether. Do you know what so Sterling Chelsea... would maybe be good at? Do you know what we yeah. were talking about Spurs? 
Yeah. Don't think Sterling, don't think Sterling would do Kate Spurs. If he's he's not he's not quite at that world class level anymore, but he could still be a good enough player at a rebuilding Spurs to to do a job there. I I do think he's still world class. I just think again his his confidence is gone. Mm. Last season under Pep, he was great. Like he was really good. And so I think there is potential there and Pep knows it. Pep got the best out of him from when he's come in and he's had some really good seasons. But I think mm-hmm. he, I think all the players need a break. Yeah. Like there was no, there was very very little time at the end of last season. And then because of COVID and everything and, and this season's been a hectic schedule. Mm-hmm. I think the Euros is at the worst time possible from a player's perspective. I'm I'm buzzing. I can't wait. I'm excited. <laughs> Um, yeah, same. But for the good of the players, I think the Euros probably should have just been cancelled and and then let them have an actual summer. Mm-hmm. But hopefully they will get a bit of a break, at least for a while. Um, Sterling, I could understand them moving on, Mikey says, but Mares seems like a strange one for them to get rid of, unless it's to fund a Kean move. Well, that's the thing. Um, if they could get decent money for Mares from someone like PSG, someone like Real Madrid... It wouldn't be a bad thing necessarily to do, um, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see how it all unfolds. But mm-hmm. yes, Chelsea Chelsea won the game. They held out a one 0 victory. They only had two shots on target the whole game. Pulisic did have a really good chance though uh, to potentially score, which he probably should have put in the back of the net mm-hmm. um, from a good bit of play. 40% possession in the end for Chelsea, which I think is significantly lower than it felt like during the game. Yep, agreed. Um, but Joe, let's see. Who would you pick as your man of the match for the Champions League final 2021? So you asked me who my Luke Sherwood man of the match would be? Well, I'll give you my actual Luke Sherwood man of the match, but who do you think my Luke Sherwood man of the match should be? Okay. Um, I mean... In a game like this, it's very difficult to not just give it to Kai Havertz. Yeah. Because he scored the goal. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he, like, I would say that maybe Kante was the best player on the pitch today. But I think because Havertz scored the goal, you almost can't not give him out of the match. Yeah. Well, let's have a look and see whether Kai Havertz deserves it. Let's have a look and see if Kai Havertz deserves more of the match. Looking at Kai Havertz's stats, we are the Stato Joe podcast at the end of the day. 90 minutes played for Kai Havertz, one goal scored. Shots on target, just the one. I would personally argue that there was two. I would argue that he took a shot before he then took the shot. No, no, no that, was just, that was just him trying to go past the keeper, I think. I don't, I don't I, think that was a shot. I think the heaviness of it was more than a touch. Mm. But anyway... Uh, Dribbles attempted four with only two successful, so 50% dribble success. Touches 46, uh, possession lost 11 times. Passing, he had 75% oh, passing dear. efficiency. Bit low for your liking. But 21, yeah, out 28. 21 out of 28 isn't bad at all. Um, and other than that, he was foiled three times, cleared the ball twice, tackled three times. He had a decent enough game, but two big chances created. If he didn't, if he didn't score a goal, he's probably sitting on like a six point five average rating. 
Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know if he actually deserved deserves man of the match, but he did score and probably is then because of that the highest rated player. Um that brings up an interesting point before I get on to my look show man of the match. Um Chelsea utilized a long ball tonight mm-hmm. in certain aspects that I almost forget that they do at times. City tried it as well a few times, but to less of an impact. Um what do you think about the diversity that Chelsea showed in going forward and will it work if they just get a good striker uh, it has to work because the unpredictability now it definitely wasn't a shot by the way look that was him trying to go past the keeper i disagree sorry just, just go up my screen there uh but uh so i think i think chelsea's unpredictability is what makes them such a difficult team to beat um you know, they don't do the same thing every time. I mean, I was worried for them because they were coming to this game in a very, very poor run of form. You know, they they lost the Leicester in the FA Cup final. They then lost to Villa um, in really a game that they needed to win. They got away with it, really, um, by getting a Champions League place. Um, but then they came here and they won. And I think that the, the style of passing... The way that they seem to change their press, I don't know if you noticed that, but the way they changed yeah. the press of the ball was very interesting. You know, there was times where they would, as soon as the ball came into their half, they pressed it like mad. Other times they would sit back, let City come to them, and then press. I just thought it was very intriguing. It was very like, you know, and, and this is a, this is a compliment. It was very start-stop, a lot of their play, and I think that makes them very unpredictable to play against. Could I, I do think they're going to be real challengers for the league next season. I really do. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think they will be a good team next season, especially a pre-season under Thomas Tuchel will do everybody at the club a world of good, even players who maybe are on loan at the moment or players in the youth team that he might look to bring through. Getting a month of just training with them, having practice games against other clubs will do them a lot of good and, and potentially maybe selling a few players. They have a massive squad, Chelsea, yeah. a really big squad. So they can afford to get rid of a few players. They can afford to get rid of a bit of dead wood. Yeah, I don't know who exactly. I've heard reports that um, that Borussia would look at Hudson Odoi as a replacement for Sancho, were he to go. Um, I think that could actually be a really good signing really good from signing all well. from all sides. I don't think yeah. Hudson Odoi is going to make it at Chelsea. I think he's kind of made his bed and. And he's lying in it now. Yeah. I want to go. You're not going. Actually, I'll stay. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's a bit of a mess. But Chelsea can sell um, and potentially, yeah, move on nicely. For me, I think it's hard not to just, I don't know if it's just going to love the man. But it is hard not to just give man on the match, in my opinion, to Kante. He was fantastic, right? Kante, as we mentioned in the semi final as well. Just a really, really great player. As Tim mm. uh, and, and Carl in the chat earlier mentioned, give Kante the Ballon d'Or. I wouldn't do that for um, Have you seen the year Messi's having? Um, but Kante has been really, <laughs> really, really, really good. Um, he just covers all ground. And it's not coincidental that everybody on my Twitter timeline is saying Kante is the GOAT. Kante is the GOAT. Kante, best player. As Mikey says in the chat here, Kante was different class. He was. Yes, he was yeah. unbelievable. He was so good. It's it's just his his constant work rate. 
Um, his constant work rate to get in the right area. His footballing brain is incredible. He knows what to do and he has the physicality to to make it happen. Um, I like when he gets forward. I like when he gets to have a go in the other half. But what he does in his own half, or even in the early stages or of the other players or the other team's half, he does very well. Uh, Kante is my Luke Shaw man of the match. Could fair do enough. it on a cold, wet Wednesday night. Stoke City. Totally, totally fair. I was looking through his personal stats. Um, eighty-five percent pass accuracy. Better than for uh, average. You see it. Possession lost only eight times. Great. One seven of eight ground duels. Not surprised. One four out of seven aerial duels, and he's like three foot three, so that was pretty nuts. Nice. Um, two interceptions, three tackles, all round. An excellent display from Kante once again. And as you yeah. said, he was fantastic against Real Madrid, certainly in the second leg anyway, from my memory. And he was superb again tonight. Um, I can't I can't argue with Kante being the amount of the match from you, to be honest. I only give it to Kai Havertz because he scored. And yeah. often that's what happens. Um, yeah, I think you're right. In a game in a game like tonight, I think Kante, Kante was allowed to play really well. Mm. And you kind of have to, you have to notice him. You have to pay attention to notice him. He do, he won't necessarily stand out at all times because yep. he just does his job really well. He doesn't do anything flashy. He just tackles. And there's a reason Phil Foden said just in an interview that the most annoying player to play against is Kante. He was asked, who's the most annoying defender to play against? And he says, well, he's not a defender. He's Kante. Yeah. <laughs> and and <laughs> that was that was evident tonight. Like, mm-hmm. Foden almost looked scared of him. Anytime he got the ball, he looked like he didn't want to go towards Kante. Um, so fair play in Golo Kante. You're a great man. And that's the 2021 Champions League final. That's mm. the 2021 Champions League campaign. Done and dusted. At the start of the season, if you had said to me Chelsea would win it, I would have told you you were mad. Yep. I don't think that was ever ever coming. I don't think anybody would have really predicted that, especially not with Frank Lampard. But Thomas Tuchel has done an incredible job. And um, before we maybe chat about Tuchel and Guardiola, we should probably shout out the referee. Oh, great game. Really great game. Something that was really refreshing about tonight's game was how the ref let it play. Oh outstanding stuff the advantages the ref played were so good and what he did really well was you'd see a bit of an incident right and he would you could see him almost thinking about right i'm gonna let this play out or and it'll take a second to see what was going on and then he'd make a decision and there was a load of times whenever there was a file in the middle of the area somewhere and he would look around see how the thing was going and then he'd often play advantage you know, in a game that was quite scrappy at times, he somehow allowed the game to keep flowing. And it was yeah. just, it was, as you said, extremely refreshing to see. Love that from him. Love that from him. Very, I think, very different. Because we were watching a Champions League final of two English teams, I think that's what made it really good. I think because the referee was not managing or refing like, an English referee. Mikey says here, did you notice as well when Jorginho tried to win an Oscar, the ref told him to cop on, thought he did well. You're, you're right there. So right, the ref kind of, apart, apart from the one with Aspilicueta, 
where the ref absolutely decided he was fully on board with Azpilicueta's injury there. It was like, quick, 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 <laughs> get over, which I thought turned into Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, but he was he was going nuts for that one. But in general, he wasn't taking any crap. He wasn't taking any crap no. at all. And he was letting the game run. He treated it like it was almost a Classico or a, a, like a, a rivalry, a derby match, because he could see there's obviously going to be a few heated moments. It's a Champions League final. These players yep. all want this. This is their like the pride and joy of their footballing career is to win the Champions League. And so the ref let it play. There were a few challenges that went in in the Premier League. VAR would have had a look at them. Everybody would have been like, oh my word, is it a red card? And the ref just let it play. And it was really nice to see. Mm. It almost felt like tackling was allowed to happen again tonight yep. after a season in which we've seen tackling become almost a dying art because anybody will go down at any opportunity. Did you? We both loved, I think, our, almost our favourite moment of the match. So Rudiger and uh, Kevin De Bruyne have just clashed with each other. Um, Rudiger was rightly about to be booked, so... <laughs> The ref helps Rudiger up, and as he helps him up, <laughs> he shows him a yellow card. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Like but no wasted emotions, no, no wasted emotions whatsoever. So Straight picks him up, <laughs> yellow card. There you yeah. go. It was a Fantastic. good moment. Also, also a lovely moment from the ref. There was a a moment when City had a shot and it hit off. I think Reese James hit his chest and then hit his arm, and the City yep. players were all claiming for handball. If that had happened at the start in September of 2020. Well, at the start of the Premier League season, it would have been given. VAR would yep. have given that. But I love the ref's conviction more than anything else. I love a ref that backs himself. And mm-hmm. VAR has almost made them doubt themselves a little bit more. It's a confidence thing again, it seems. It's yeah. like refs are less confident in themselves. But this referee tonight, he he knew what he wanted. He was like, no, chest, arm, chest, arm. I'm signalling clearly, communicating to the players, showing them what he thought his view was. And if VAR was to, to try and change that, he would have had a look. He would have gone over to the screen, seen, is this different to what I think it is? No, it's probably not, because he knew what he was watching. A really professional refereeing performance, one that was lovely to see. So shout out to the ref. You're my referee of the match. Well done. Could do it in a cold, wet Wednesday night in Stoke. We did, say, we did say multiple times during the game that we thought he was fantastic. Like... Very, very rarely would I mention a referee's performance. Yeah. Um, and we we said multiple times, like, all oh, this ref's been class tonight, been really, really good. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that ultimately helped the game. I do I think I think the ref's um willingness to let the game play out did help the game in general. And I think had we seen another referee stopping up for every little thing. I think the game could have been awful, but he let it play out. In a game of this magnitude, there's always going to be physicality because you're literally playing for like probably the biggest competition, like apart from your domestic league. You know, there's can't take it to get my little, my little match. I think. Um, oh, well, yeah. so there you go. You love to see it, but uh, yeah. After the game, the ref was very emotional as well. So he was crying. He knew he was put. He put on a shift. He knew it. He knew. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think the last thing we should really talk about before we finish up tonight is Thomas Tuchel and the outstanding job he's done at Chelsea since he arrived. Even when he came in, 
I would have laughed at you if you said, oh, now that he's in here, Chelsea are going to win the Champions League. I would have been like, there's no way. Have you seen the state of that team? Like, you know, there's no way he's going to come in. And then even some of the performances when he first came in, I remember in the FA Cup, which, of course, he took into the final two as well. I think it was a Barnsley they played, and they played a very dull 1-0 win. And I was like, there's no, like, this is going to be, like, Chelsea are going to be boring. Chelsea were having but boring tonight. And yeah. we, we saw that with PSG. Obviously, PSG had one of the best attacks in Europe, and Tuchel used them magnificently. And that's what I was saying to you before. I feel like I've mentioned it in the podcast before. I'm excited to see whenever he pro- when Tuchel properly focuses on this Chelsea attack, because yeah. I think he'll be an absolute madness with with the this Chelsea team. We've seen what he's done defensively. Christensen came on tonight for Thiago Silva, and he did really really well. So you you therefore know that. He's going to do a job like you're. You're back. That's your backup centre back. Yeah, yeah. As Mikey says, they're title contenders next year with a couple of signings. I think they could be title contenders next year, even if they don't get a couple of signings. Mikey, to be perfectly honest with you, this Chelsea team are superb. I honestly think they're yeah. fantastic. Now, over a domestic season, yes, Mikey, they probably will need a couple of signings because that City squad is just next level. Um, but I don't know about that. I, I think they have a deep enough squad that's actually all right. Like, they have two players to play in most positions. Yeah, but then they um, took, took over we won it next year that gets sacked the following year. Well, that is the Chelsea way. But I think, yeah, I think, I just think that City are, City are another, another level when it comes to, well, they certainly were this season. Um, because we did, we saw it at the end of this, at the end of this season that, Chelsea flaked a wee bit at the end. They showed signs of vulnerability. You know, they didn't play that well against Aston Villa. And against the Villa team that, let's be honest, like aren't anywhere near the level of City, you know, and, and, and they, they didn't look great against them. Um, I think next season is going to be really, really interesting because you're going to have, and I do hate to say this, you're going to have Liverpool are going to be right back up there. They're going to be right back up there because their yeah. centre-back is going to be back. You're going to have City... Probably again, you're probably and you're gonna have Chelsea. And if United make a couple of signings, that top those four teams, it's I think it's gonna be a real. I think we're gonna get an actual title race next year. Yeah, in my opinion. Well, but see the thing, the thing with Chelsea, sorry, is he doesn't want to play five at the back. Yeah, there's not one part of him that wants to play five at the back. He wants to play four at the back. But what he could recognize is that they just don't have the personnel for that. Mm-hmm. They didn't have. The right centre back. So with a signing there, yes, absolutely. At centre back, it might be helpful because Reese James is cracker, Ben Chilwell is cracker. Yep. And get a good centre back in there, even alongside Christensen, alongside Rudiger, alongside Zuma. You know, if you put Virgil Van Dijk in that defence, that's never going to happen, obviously. But if you put him alongside those players, I think it would make a massive difference. And then that changes everything going forward because then you can play Kai Havertz. You can play Pulisic. You can play Ziyech. And you can play a striker. I would love to see Tammy Abraham get a bit more time. I think Werner might work better if he's got somebody directly behind him in Havertz. Um, so I think that is a, a exciting time to be a Chelsea fan. I, I expect a couple of signings, a few outgoings, and it could be it could be good. Um, what I love about Tuchel is his conviction as well. I'll just be saying that about the ref. Maggie here says, then the likes of Leicester, Everton, West Ham, Arsenal, Spurs, 
is shaping up to be a cracking year of football in the Premier League. I agree. I think next season looks really exciting. I think there's good things. Certain teams there like Arsenal and Spurs at the moment, what they lack is that conviction. I think I've just mentioned they haven't had a manager. Well, Spurs had Mourinho, obviously he does have a lot of conviction, but mm. Tuchel took his time. He experimented when he came in. He was like, I'm going to play this system. Who's going to play for me? Who's going to work yep. in this system? And he wasn't afraid to drop people. Tammy Abraham has a good goal scoring record this season. Tuchel said, no, nah, he doesn't work. doesn't work for me. I'm not going to play him. Giroud as well. Yeah, Giroud had a really good goal scoring record as well. He's given Marcus Alonso a chance. He's given Hudson Adoy a chance. He gave yep. players their opportunities, said, take these or else you're not playing. And they're not playing now. Those players aren't getting into the team. I love that from Tuchel. That's what we don't see from Arteta. It's what we don't see from Solskjaer on Wednesday night. Solskjaer had a team and he refused to sub off players who were subpar, even because they're the big players. Even though they were really poor, even though Rashford wasn't good, even though Bruno Fernandes wasn't good, he didn't take them off because he doesn't have the conviction there. Whereas Thomas Tuchel, I imagine, would easily be like, you're not playing well, Werner. Off you get. He showed that tonight. Abraham out the door in the summer, I think for his sake. Yep, if he, he ever wants to, to get back in the England squad, if he ever wants to score goals regularly in the Premier League, I don't think he's starting at Chelsea. I think, yeah, Tuchel's not a massive fan. But that could change. As a pre-season with, with Chelsea, a chance to impress him in pre-season friendlies. Who knows? Anything can really happen there. But fair play, Thomas Tuchel. Uh, another really good performance from your players, getting the best out of your team. It's nice to see. Congratulations for winning the Champions League this year. Yeah. Uh, Pep, on the other hand, I, I don't know what happened tonight. I think he just he set up slightly wrong. I, I'll not ever hear the argument that Pep is a fraud. Like, people, Liverpool fans mainly, yep. Yeah, you do have to be. I thought you were telling me personally that I had to have that conviction to be cut through. Like, <laughs> just kicked you off the stream here or something. I read that wrong. I was like, what's my you tell me to do? Like, me personally? Um, <laughs> people, Liverpool fans especially, are coming at Phil Foden, are coming at Pep Guardiola. As, as we've discussed many times, Liverpool fans are the most unbearable human beings in the world. But <laughs> they. They've come out tonight and said he's a fraud. He spent a billion, hasn't won the Champions League. I will not have that at all. Like, yes, well done, Liverpool. You have won the. You beat a terrible Spurs team in the final. If City were playing that Spurs team in the final, they would have won five nil tonight. Do you know? Mm. It's a completely different. It's a completely different scenario. And we had two really good teams up against each other tonight, and it was it was great to see. Phil Foden. Anybody that slowers out Phil Foden, like, what are you doing? Why would you like Phil Foden is a delight to watch. I I don't support City. I'm not a City fan, but watching Phil Foden is exciting. Thank you, Mikey. Glad that you agree with me there. I have the conviction on this one. I'm cutthroat, just as you asked me to be. Liverpool fans, insufferable. Um, but Phil Foden, a delightful footballer. We'll give him that. Yeah, and I think, look. You can't question Guardiola um, with the record he's had. You know, he was probably rightly accused of being a bit cocky last year's Champions League um, with Leon and, and losing that game, wasn't it, Leon? Yeah. Uh, I think I think I think the, those accusations were probably fair. I think he probably thought I can rest a few players all looking ahead, and he he did make a mistake there. 
tonight, I think he saw an opportunity to go at Chelsea. Um, I think BT Sports spoke about, you know, he maybe saw what Leicester did against Chelsea and he, he saw a, a vulnerability there. Um, but I, don't, I wouldn't call him. I, yeah, he's, he's one of the best coaches ever and in the world. So, yeah, yeah, like, I get it. People say, oh, he really does well because he only manages big teams. He's got all the best players. But you have to be a certain type of manager to be able to manage all these egos in, in one area and get them working as a team. Yeah. And we saw what they did this season. Uh, you know, you can't, you know, you can't, you can't really ever go with them, to be honest. No. Yeah, absolutely. And before we just wrap up, Kante confirmed as man of the match, which means he's been man of the match now in both legs of the semi-final and the final. He's done three in a row in the Champions League. Kante showing his quality under Tuchel towards the end of the season, which is really impressive. Um, some of you listening might be wondering, look, Joe, what are your thoughts on the playoff final today? And if you want to know, check us out on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts and Spotify because we will talk about that in the introduction. So if you want to hear our thoughts about the playoff final, check out the introduction, the first 10 or so minutes on our podcast, on all our podcast providers, and we will chat through our thoughts on Brentford versus Swansea and how excited we are to see a certain team potentially playing in the Premier League next season. It's been a pleasure, Joe, to chat through the Champions League final. What a game. A really fun game from a neutral standpoint. Really nice to see. And hopefully one day, Joe, Stoke City and Newcastle United will face each other in the Champions League final. That's all I want. That's all I want. We'll be doing this podcast when we're 75. uh, And it'll be Newcastle versus Stoke. And we'll do live reactions in our our, our full gear. um, And all that. that. But yeah. what it'll be, it'll be unbelievable. What a day! What a Ten day! Pounds it'll and be. everything in the living yeah, room, totally. Great. And Great. we'll be able to we'll be, together. We'll be live at the game. I would like to think if if mm. Newcastle played Stoke, we would try our best to get. Yeah, yeah. But Absolutely. there we are. <laughs> yeah, thank you all so much for joining us. Um, we managed to somehow drag this out to like fifty-five minutes, which I'm actually really impressed with us for doing so. Um, good job. So I because of. Because of tonight's show, there will be no Sunday show tomorrow, 8 o'clock. Um, we'll be back again on Wednesday, do you think, Luke? Probably Wednesday this week to do a, to do a Premier League Team of the Season episode where we'll talk to our Team of the Season. But before we go, we've got one last question from Mikey. He says, if you had to call it now, lads, who's won the league, getting top four and getting relegated? And my answer is, find out on Wednesday. And Wednesday's Premier League discussion show because that is what we'll talk about. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to repeat myself. I don't want to repeat myself. Shocking. Shocking. Such, a tease, myself. such a tease. No, but I, it was in the plan. It was in the plan because Wednesday's show will. Wednesday's show is going to be team of the season and a discussion about everything that Maggie's just said there in that question. So you don't want to miss that. Wednesday night. I don't know what time yet. I'll let you know. Probably 8 o'clock if we can do it at 8. We'll see what happens. Maybe later. Maybe earlier. I don't know. We'll need to chat about it. <laughs> but we will see you then. Until then, look after yourselves. Stay safe. Be good. And I just want to finish with one last thing. And that's look celebrating what a great game of football that was. <laughs>
What a uh, guy. What a guy. What a guy. What a guy. Seems that yeah. never made the light of day because they were recorded as an intro. Oh, rip. Shogun. Shogun. <laughs> okay. Right. Lovely stuff. Goodbye, everybody. All right, Thank guys. You so much. See you later. And that was our show. I must say, I'm I'm kind of wrecked after that game. It was so like frantic and fast paced and everything. It was just like I'm pretty tired. Um, but any any big plans for for this week coming at all? Well, I'm really excited that it's a bank holiday. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, really right, glad I, that I, can, that. I can just kind of relax a little bit, which is nice. Off mm. on Monday. Then spending the full week in the office this week, Tuesday to Friday, with a few colleagues working on um, some fundraising for our, our work. So that's fun. Um, but it'll be a good week. Excited. Tomorrow night, there's uh, a wrestling pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. AEW, double or nothing. So that is an exciting time. And looking forward to it. What about you, Joe? Any plans for this week? Um. I just my last exam is this Friday, so basically this week we'll just be studying for that, trying to get through the immense boredom. Uh, it's it's always the same for anyone. Like the last exam, that that period in between your penultimate yeah. exam and your last exam is the longest period of your life. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I'll, I'll maybe see. I'm I'll, I'll try and work intensively during the day and then take evenings off and maybe see if people are about because I'm yeah. the only one in my house that's still doing exams everyone else has finished up so uh i'm i'm the only one on the other one out so maybe try and see if we get a couple of plans in um obviously we can now get vaccinated now which is quite exciting um Absolutely. so i need to get that sorted as well but i think apart from that apart from streaming on twitch that's about it excitement wise um nice but it'll be good because once this week's done, there'll be a lot, kind of, a lot more time. I'll, I'll be starting a job and um, a part-time job and things. So I'm looking forward to kind of getting into a routine that I can actually enjoy rather than studying because no one likes studying. I don't think I've met anybody that enjoys studying. Do you hurt me, honest? To be fair, I know a few, but they're strange folk, so it's fine. Um, but yeah, I'm actually getting microchipped on to, on Monday. I think. Monday oh my! Morning, which is fun. And uh, by that, I mean, obviously getting vaccinated, which is very exciting um, as well. Excited to go willy nilly and spit in people's faces. <laughs> that's not, wow, that's wow, quite random. Um, <laughs> what a way I don't really know, I don't really know what to say, I don't really know what to say to that. What a, what a way to end <laughs> the podcast. Um, Yes, you're, you guys are welcome. You get a Sunday podcast this week because of the way the Champions League final worked out. But I'll just let you know very, very quickly um, that the next podcast for you guys will be on Thursday. Uh, we're going to do a Team of the Season discussion, Premier League Team of the Season discussion, um, live on Wednesday night. Time, as of yet, undisclosed. We'll work it out. Um, but we'll be doing a Team of the Season discussion uh, and a look ahead very briefly to the Premier League season upcoming. So if you want to join us live, feel free to join us on YouTube or Facebook. We're live there every time we go live. Or if you want to wait to the audio version, it will be up 
on Thursday morning for all you lovely, lovely people. And with that, look, I think we've overstayed our welcome. People are bored of my voice. Probably not all of yours because you've got a nicer voice than mine, but they're That's certainly fine. bored of mine. Um, Can you agree more? So we should we should head on. We should. It's time to go to bed. Joe. Hi, night, guys. Tonight was fun. Tonight yeah, was fun. It was great. It was great. And I look forward to seeing you again on Wednesday. Perfect. Guys, have a lovely week. Look after yourselves. Um, thank you again for all your support. It means the world. We just passed 100 streams uh, on the podcast. So that, that was a thank you very much for that. Um, but yeah, we'll see you on Thursday for you audio listeners, aka my favorites. Goodbye. Bye.